Hi, I'm Cameron and welcome to Tea with Toby, the show where we ask and answer the questions playing in the minds of the care sector's business leaders. This week's episode is sponsored by The Access Group and we're going to kick off the show with a few words from our very own Marketing Strategy Director, Toby Ali Usman. Thanks Cameron. So today's guest has actually been on the show before and he doesn't know it but that show has had the most streams on Spotify, the most LinkedIn views, and also the most YouTube views. And our community don't use YouTube that much. So there's absolutely no pressure. But on that note, I'd like to <laughs> welcome Mr. Simon Crowthor. Hi guys, hi there, hi Toby, hi Cameron. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, hey, that's good to hear, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Um, there's, I've received quite a few inquiries actually from from that show. You know, people calling me, clients coming on board, but also people just asking questions. And um, yeah, it's great. It's great to know that people are out there. You know, wanting to know more about their business, how to make their business better. Um, and and it's, it's it's always great having you on the show because similar to similar to us here, you're not afraid to share the strategies the techniques not, and really not, get not at all i mean the health and social care sector and when i say that as that is health and social care including nhs and everything is 10 times the size of defense you know it's 145 billion uh, pound biz, uh, sector mm -hmm. and if you take this just the home care sector alone is it's, it's seven billion in england it's not Scotland Wales, just England is 7 billion. That's home care and complex care and um, supported living. You know, 7 billion, that's, that's a big, that's a lot. And most of that is delivered by the independent sector. You know, so that, that's, that's a big, big sector. So I'd rather share because there's a lot of people out there who are really good carers who've started this business because they want to care for people. And the driver for most people getting into the care sector, to me, that I've met, seemed to be two, twofold. And actually running a business is, is way off their minds. It's actually, they want a bit of freedom. They don't want to work for anybody else and they want to deliver good care. And that seems to be the two main drivers. So you get so many people who are really great at caring, but then don't know where to go. You know, don't know where to get clients from. Don't know how to start. Don't know where to go. They can do, there's lots of information out there about, um, you know, quality compliance and you can the CQC website and skills for care website and nice and SCIE is loads of resources on how to deliver care, but almost nothing on how to deliver a business in care. And we're going to get to that because you're okay. already jumping straight in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> I've got loads of questions for you right. within time, of course. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a very important note to make as well that you don't just have to have a care business now to watch this. Anyone can watch it. If you're thinking about one in the future, this is for everyone. So just on that note though, um, Simon, could you maybe tell everyone just a little bit, why do you know so much about home care? What is your background? Well, I, I, I've had quite a, a diverse background. Um, I um, started in, in social care 20 years ago. I started in the year 2000 when I got really fed up of my of working in corporate life. It wasn't for me. I was working as a, as a program manager in, in the financial sector. I was doing international projects with banking and um, relocation of financial services from um, New York and London into, into Dublin. Didn't like it, wasn't really for me. And 
my mother had always run care homes. She, that was her background. My brother, who's an accountant, he got fed up with his job. We just packed our jobs in and we started a care business. Um, and we didn't know anything about it other than the family. We'd grown up around it, but we didn't know a lot. And I went from traveling business class and, you know, flying in from Dublin into, into the city and meetings at Canary Wharf and then back to Dublin again on, 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 on business class through to going out um, on less than minimum wage, um, changing incontinence pads, doing on call, um, changing catheters, doing everything. I was a care worker. We started from scratch. And then what we did do was we applied some of the techniques we'd learned from from business and from and before I was in financial services I was um, an army officer before that I was an engineer um, and I've applied some of those things that I've learned in kind of blue chip companies um, into the care sector in terms of customizing things in terms of training people in terms of reports and returns and we built that business from literally from scratch to seven branches about 600 staff um, contract from about 10 local authorities and we did that in four and a half years and then sold and then sold out completely um i left the sector i went off running an e-commerce business selling boxing equipment and mixed martial arts equipment completely unrelated again um and then came back into the sector with training companies i've always had training companies as well again in the in the care sector training companies and then i started doing bits of consultancy i've worked for local authorities i've helped people set up businesses i set up training businesses and it occurred to me that you know, I, I'd learned an awful lot along this journey. So I wanted to, to help people and, and get my, you know, pay my bills by helping other people. So, um, but instead of helping the service users, like a care business, I now help the business owners and the registered managers, you know, because it's not just, you know, our clients aren't just business owners, they're also registered managers um, and help those guys. So that's, I'm trying to give something back there. And also when I see, a huge amount of people who are good at do, delivering the care but can't even make a living for themselves because they just don't quite get the um the business side is help them out or have somebody who's got a good business a good size business you know there's, there's i've got several clients who are multi-million pound businesses but actually we can get them to 10 20 30 million pound businesses um by applying the same techniques you know it's systems reports business planning forecasting all these marketing, all these kind of standard business processes and, and concepts that you get in every single business. Um, you know, whether it's digital marketing business, whether it's care business, there's business concepts and helping people understand that as well as the quality of the care. Because the whole point of this is to be able that somebody who needs care has their life changed for the better because somebody who is going to visit them to help them change their life for the better, can do their job, can do it correctly, is employed by a good company and delivers the best care possible. And that, that's the aim really. And one of the things that inspired the conversation today is obviously I called you last night and we were just talking um, and then we were talking about a joint client and then you started explaining something. I said, look, the way you explain this is so simple let me just pause you and jump on the show and just let's just let's just continue the conversation here. So financials are really important within a company. The first question I've got for you is can you help share more from a business that's starting from scratch, how you calculate lifetime value of a customer? Okay. It, it's I think a lot of the time in the care sector, there's also a mentality that because you're caring, talking about the money is dirty. It's like a dirty word. 
And you've got to get that out of your head because if you're not making any money, you're going to go bust and then people are not going to get care. Simple as that. And if you're providing the best care and working a 60-hour week, um, but you're not even making minimum wage yourself and your staff can't get paid, then what's the point? What's the point of doing it? So you've got, people have got to get out of the, you know, think of it, look, it is a business. So you've got to talk about the money. And as dirty as it, as it might seem, I mean, it's, that's a mental, you know, a mental thing in the, in, the, in the care sector. Get over that because you can't deliver good care unless you actually have got a sound organizational. And that doesn't matter whether you're a charity or a private sector. You could be a charity, but you've still got to be solvent at the end of the year. You know, so the same concepts apply, whether you're not-for-profit, charity, private sector, PLC, whatever it is, you know, whatever your vehicle is, you've got to be solvent and a capable business. So you look at the clients and you say, right, okay, what, what is that client worth to you? And before you can put any budgets in place, you have to know what a client is worth. And in home care, it's actually pretty difficult. In, in, in a care home, it's quite easy. It's the cost of a bed. If you charge X amount for a bed for a week, you know, 600 quid for a, for a bed or whatever it is, you know that that's the value of income and you can work out your profit from there for that bed. Home care's got far more variables. It can depend on how rural the client is, how many miles you've got to go, how many hours a week do you deliver? So a live-in care package is 24 hours a day. is going to be very different from half an hour pop-in you know, to a rural area where you've traveled half an hour to get there in the first place. So that's, that's quite hard. So you do have to make some assumptions, but you can, you can, can make broad brush assumptions. So like, for example, if you, um, let's really, really broad brush example, let's say you charge 20 pound an hour. You know, I know people have all sorts of different pay rates, but let's say 20 quid and your client care package is 10 hours a week, you know, so it could be 20 hours a week, could be five, but let's just go for 10. So 20 pound an hour, um, 10 hours, that's 200 quid a week. That's the income you're going to get from that client, 200 pound a week. So what's that in a year? Times that by 52, 10,400. So that client is going to bring income of 10,400 into your business. So how long are you going to have that client? Now you've got to, you don't know. You could have that client one year, you could have that client 10 years. You've no idea. So you've got to put something, you've got to say something. So let's just go with a planning figure of three years. So that client is worth to you income 10,400, which we worked out for one year, times by three, 31,200. So that one client is, might give to you over a lifetime income of 31,200. But then you have to say, okay, what, what part of that is actual profit? Now let's, again, let's just keep it really simple and say you make 10% profit. That, that's quite high for care, obviously, you know, for, for some care, if you're doing local authority work, it could be as little as three or 4%, but we'll just go for 10 because mental arithmetic for me is a little bit easier. So we've worked out your total income is 31,200. You make 10% profit. Unfortunately, Simon is inaudible, but he's saying 10% is 3,120, and that is the value of a customer. So that you now have what that client, getting a client into your business. Now you can say to yourself, what am I prepared to pay in order to get that client? So if I said to you, for example, um, Toby, um, if I give you 500, if, if you give me 500 quid um, and I give you 3,100 back, do you think that's a pretty good deal? And you go, yeah, of course it is. That's, I'll bite your arm off, you know? <laughs> um, yet people in the care sector don't, you know, because they haven't thought about um, what the client is worth to them. Therefore, they don't know what to spend on the marketing. So in fact, if you spend £500 acquisition costs, if, you, if that client costs you £500 to get it in, you know, you've ended up um, 
you know, what's that? How much is that you've made? Um, 500 acquisition, 500 pounds minus, you know, take that off 3,120. You know, that's, that's what your, your profit is. You know, you, you've got that back. That's a really broad brush way of doing it. But mm. people don't even do that first calculation. So you've got to do that in order to find out, to say, okay, well, that's one client. Um, what if I got 10 clients? Well, that's worth 31,200. So with 10 clients in like that, I, am, I might make, I might pay out 500 pounds per client. So let's say five grand for 10 clients. So I'll pay five grand out, but I'll get back 31,200. And that's how you need to work out your marketing. Very, very, you know, that's pretty unsophisticated, but it's the first step. It's from that that you've got an idea of, okay, right. If I pay out five grand, I'll get 31 grand back or I'll get 10 clients back, whichever you, however you want to look at it. Um, mm. So that's your budget. Now, the actual acquisition cost might vary. You know, we're starting this as a budget. It might be that you've only, it actually, your marketing might work really well and you've budgeted 500, but you've only spent 300 pound per client because you might spend five grand, but instead of getting 10 in, you might get 20 in. So suddenly your client acquisition cost is 250 pounds, not 500. Mm. Or actually it might be quite expensive. You know, you might be an expensive area of the country where things cost a little bit more and you don't get 10 clients in, you get five clients in, in which case your client acquisition cost is a thousand pounds, but you're still making money. You know, you're making less, but you're still making the money. You're still paying out that money to get the clients back in. And that is how you do it. And you base that on the budget on, and different people can afford different amounts. I've just put 500 pounds out, out of thin air. You know, it could be a thousand, it could be 2000, it could be 10,000, depending on the size of your business and how much money you've got. But the fact is, I, I come across an awful lot of clients who, when I first set up in, in the care business, you literally set it up, gave the local authority a telephone number and the phone rang and you got clients. That's gone. That doesn't happen. You know, you've got to get on um, preferred provider list. You've got to do tenders. Some of them are open. Some of them are closed. Um, local authority pay rates are not always that good. So you do need a mix between local authority and private. And if you're going for the private market, you've got to market yourself like any other business. I have to market myself. Why am I here talking to you? Partly out of the good of my heart, but also... I'm trying to convince people that I know what I'm doing so that they'll give me a ring and, I, and pay me to do work for them. You know, that's, I am marketing. That's what this is. This is marketing. So everybody's got, sorry. I was, I think there's a little glitch there, but I, was oh, looking, right. I think it's really useful because there's a number of uh, businesses who are starting scratch and who start from scratch and who, you know, they want to get clients and they reach out to us and, but they don't, they, they don't grasp that, uh, the structure on how you budget and how you have to look at things. So that's really useful. Staying on the staying on the uh, sort of subject of people who are just starting out. How do you go about figuring out if uh, you had the whole of the UK where to target in terms of setting up your home care business? Right. Well, home care is hyper local. Yeah, it is absolutely in your area, and I tend to go off population you know, chimney pots, basically. Um, you're a people business. You need to employ people to deliver the care and you need people to your clients. Therefore, you need to be in a, in, in a populous area. Um, and when I say in a populous area, that doesn't mean you can only operate in urban areas. Of course, you can operate in rural areas, but the rural area is just going to be bigger 
than a tighter urban area. That's all. So you can go off population numbers. So let's say, for example, I, I, years ago I did some work. I've not done this recently, but I've, 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 a way back I did some work. And I analyzed some of the numbers. And to me, it came up with, okay, I think I can make um, a branch of home care to get to 1,000 hours in about 200, a population size of 200,000. That's what it came out about. And I used to base it on that. And that actually worked out about well in the areas that I was working in, the towns, et cetera, I was working in. And even the, it just meant that if I was in somewhere like a suburb of Manchester, that's basically one of the, you know, that would be Salford or it would be Bolton or it would be one of the suburbs of Greater Manchester Conurbation. If I'm up in the rural Lancashire, it's just a geographically much wider area to get that same number of people. So once you've, once you've got that number of people, you then want to target a bit closer and say, right, okay, if I'm going to spend this, we've, I've worked out my marketing budget. If, I, if my marketing budget is £5,000, for example, that to, that's going to get me 10 new clients, I might spread that over three months or four months or five months. I might spend £1,000 every five months, in which case I want two clients in a month. Um, and you'll say, right, okay, well, some of the areas I need to focus on more than others. So you need to then start looking at um, what are the key population areas within the whole area you work in? What, what's more likely to be the area? You know, there's no point targeting a brand new estate that's full of families. You know, they're not going to have many elderly clients in there. It might be great for your, um, um, for your recruitment, but not necessarily for your target. So you might want to look at things like you can get on the Office of National Statistics and, and look at things like you can actually look at local authority areas by ward, by council ward and actually then start looking at those areas by how many people are over 65, how many people are over 80. This is all free information that's out there. And that'll give you really tight areas that you can concentrate on. So you can take that budget and you can do things like flyer drops. You can do networking. You can um, do your pay-per-click advertising. So it means that somebody could come to you for pay-per-click and say, okay, Toby, my entire budget is five grand. I've decided that I'm gonna spend three grand on pay-per-click and I'm gonna spend two grand on other marketing areas this this is now the area that i want to focus on can you do something for me for pay-per-click just for this area and then you do that whereas they go away and at the same time they're doing their networking they're doing business networking they're going out talking to the shops in their community they're doing community talks to community groups they're doing flyer drops they're doing all sorts of other offline marketing and mm. because it's targeted in those areas and because they've got a budget they're expecting to get that in and they will, you will get inquiries. Simple as that. You will get the inquiries coming in. Whether you turn those inquiries into clients, that's another, you know, that's a whole other, another, another topic where you turn from marketing into sales then, you know, you've got to sell your services once people know about you. But the biggest mistake I see people make is they set up a client, an, an agency, and then they just expect people to come to them. But nobody knows they exist. Mm, you know, nobody knows. And what you were talking there about sort of being omnipresent is so important. So yeah. let's say you do identify, you know, this is the whole uh, area we're targeting, but the, these specific postcodes or radiuses, we're going to be omnipresent. There we're going to be doing the leafleting. Mm. On the PPC, we can dial it up in those particular areas. And it may be that it's not just one channel of marketing is the result of getting someone to inquire. It could be that they originally saw the click, uh, came through the website for the click. Um, they had a champ, uh, you know, a chat with their spouse. Uh, then a leaflet came through the door, and then they saw a poster in, 
you know, the, their GP, and then they thought, yeah, that company again. And it just gives you that, that sort of confidence to know that, okay, this is definitely a company that people must know of because I've seen them three times in a, in a short period of time. Exactly. So yeah. that makes a huge, huge difference. But I just want to, I'm just conscious of the time, I just want to shift gears a little bit and talk yep. more to the more advanced care businesses. Now, last time you came on the show, we talked about building a care business ready for sale. Yeah. Now, what I want to talk about is what if a home care business wanted to acquire another home care business? What are some of the things that they should be looking for? For the right. I've been asked, funnily enough, I've been asked, um, and this isn't set up actually, you know, this is not some pre up between us two before this is, I've actually been asked this this week, so um, yeah. you didn't know that, so it's... Yeah. Um, That's why I asked it, some yeah. people have asked been asking yeah, me. Yeah, I've, I've been asked it as well this week, and it's like, um, if you don't, buying a business is, is a whole issue in its own right, it's difficult and it's dangerous if you don't know what you're doing you can end up buying, uh, I mean, I've done it. I've made a complete mistake. I spent 60 grand on a business. This was a long time, 15 years ago. So, you know, for 60 grand's still a lot of money now, even 15, 16 years ago, it was really a lot of money. And I gave back the entire contract because it was unworkable. Uh, and it was just nothing. Three months later, I'd wasted my money, completely wasted my money. Um, and it's because I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. You know, I was growing my own business and I got excited. It was for sale and they had a great looking contract, but I didn't really get under the bones of it. I didn't look at what that business was about. So in home care, you've got to ask yourself, what are you buying? So if you're buying a nursing home or a care home, you're buying an asset, you're buying a physical building. So you can walk around that building. You can see the state of the physical state of the building. You've actually got an asset that's worth something. You can then also get an idea of the operation just by looking around it. In home care, what are you buying? There's actually nothing there. What are you buying? A couple of PCs? A bit of software that somebody rents? You're not actually buying anything. It's all goodwill. So you've got to be ensure that what you're buying is going to be there when the owner leaves. Is that business completely owner-operated whereby once the owner walks out the door, that's the business gone because they were the glue that held it all together. How do you know that that's the case when in fact the owner, you know, the salesperson, it's usually done through an agency is telling you, Oh yeah, it's all, it all works really well. Of course they do. They're an agent. They're trying to sell it. They're trying to sell and get their commission, you know, but how do you know if you've never operated in this sector before, that's the danger that you can go in and think I'm going to buy this business and it makes this amount of money every year. And I'm going to now get that money. You buy the business, the manager goes, the deputy who was worked for the manager, not for the business, who, in, who now actually doesn't get on with you too much. It might not be, they're just not the same anymore. You're different from them and they go off and do something else. So suddenly you've lost them. Then a couple of your key staff leave and you don't know the business well enough to actually bring new people in. You don't know how to do that yet. So you've just suddenly unravel very quickly. On the flip side, the opposite can happen where you buy a business and the owner has got it set up so it is completely systemized, you've bought it and actually you're not needed because it's really well run. And that's what you want. You wanna buy a really well run business. And the big guys that buy, you know, the, the huge nationals that will go out and buy, they will pay premium for something that runs well because they don't want 
the, the headache of trying to sort something out. You know, they want something that works, they can integrate, and it, it carries on. And that's what really most people should be looking at. Unless you're a specialist in it and you can look for a failing business because you're turning it around. So there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, I've, I'm working with a client at the moment and that's one of the things we're discussing. He's new into the sector and I actually suggested, well, why don't you buy a failing business? You're engaging my services anyway. So I, I know what to look for in a failing business. Why don't we find a fail? We could find a failing business and turn it around. So you're actually paying bottom dollar for the business. And then if it goes, if it falls apart, no big deal. You've not really lost a great deal of money, but you can spend the money you would have spent on a top dollar business investing in it and turning it around. And then that'll also, that's a good marketing tool that yeah. suddenly this business has turned around and, and gone better, you know, yeah. and immediately it's actually worth more because you've mm -hmm. gone from a failing business to, so that's something you can look at as well. If you know what you're doing. Um, I but, think yeah, you the, said that on the systemizing, it's so important. We, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. And actually one of the things you said at the beginning of the show is when people set up a, a home care business, they want freedom and you're only going to get that freedom if your business can operate without yourself. And I, I always talk about it, the e-myth. If you read the e-myth. The e-myth e is all my clients. I have a set reading list that my clients get on day one. The e-myth is the number one, right? Yeah. Read that because that gives you an idea of what systemization is about for small business. And absolutely, it's the Bible for small business. Read that and suddenly it'll click and, oh yeah, okay, I get what I have to do now. I get what Simon's on about on this journey. You know, it's, um, that is absolutely the number one that, that we say, read that, read the e-myth. Michael Gerber, the e-myth, read it because that's what systemization is about. When you can systemize, then your business is worth more, you can grow and you can spend your time developing that business further, developing your staff, making sure that you're focusing on the standards, focusing on making sure that your carers are the best possible carers so that you can deliver the best possible care to, you know, to the people who are using your services. Because that's, that's, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking about business on here and I, and I didn't apologize, you know, I said that I won't apologize for that at the very beginning, but it still focuses back to the reason you're doing that is because you're changing somebody's life for the better. And you can better do that if you're, if there's an owner, you'll spend your time checking that your business is working right, checking that you're delivering the best possible service, not actually doing it. You've systemized it. You get other people to do it and you're running around checking that everybody's doing it really well. You spend all your time doing that. You know, that's what you need to concentrate on. Uh, we can talk about this all day and I'll yeah. at a time, but I want to ask you, you built a business to seven branches, 600 staff, sold it. I know now you're helping uh, businesses. But if you were to do it again, mm. what's one thing that you would do differently now that most businesses aren't doing or you don't see enough of? Uh, spend money on marketing. It's simple as that. I would dump the cash into marketing um, simply because not many people are doing it. People are still relying on local authority. Um, and when I had mine, the, the private market was still very small. You know, the cutbacks, certainly with austerity and pre-austerity measures, councils were already cutting back. So since I've sold mine, more and more councils have cut back on what they spend. And therefore, the private sector has increased. So now the private sector is actually worth 30% of the market. I think when I sold, it was probably worth 2 or 3%. Mm -hmm. um, now it's 30% of the market is private payers. 
yet people don't chase that private sector, you know, because they think, oh, if I spend 5,000 on marketing, that's, that's really expensive because they haven't thought that if they spend 5,000, they get, you know, they get the 30,000 back. Um, so that's, that's what I would be doing it. And, and in this digital world, it'd be digital marketing. You know, there's, there's lots of different marketing channels and an owner of a business has to decide where their marketing budget goes. And the digital side is specialist. It's difficult. It's, it's, you've got to know what you're doing. Um, so I, and, and it is the, probably the most expensive marketing channel, to be honest, but it also gives the biggest return. Whereas, so you spend your money on there, whereas going to business networking, going physically out and making yourself, introducing yourself to your pharmacists, introducing yourself to your GPs, introducing yourself to um, your mobility shops in your area, introducing yourself to your community groups, introducing yourself to the churches and to the mosques and to the, to the synagogues and introducing yourself to community groups or the British Legion or, or whatever. That is the owner going out, pounding the pavement, shaking hands with people, networking. And there's no substitute for that, you know, and you can't pay someone else to do that. That's them going out and doing it. That's the owner or the registered manager or both, you know, going out and doing that kind of thing, getting involved in the community and then put all your money into the digital marketing so that you are everywhere. Because who, who's buying care? Yes, people do buy care for themselves. And then it's also people my age buying for my parents. Where do I go to buy anything? I Google it. First thing I do, I Google care agencies, you know, care agencies, Manchester. And that's, and then I'm... <laughs> Siri, you, you're just talking yeah. about the modern age, and yeah. that's what you're talking about. The parents, uh, the, the 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 sons or daughters of the person that requires care. That's how they will search, go on Google. The grandkids now, they will use Siri. Yeah, they would say, "Home care, you know, Siri, home care, X area." Who who appears? Yes. So it, it is important yeah. future proof the business as well. Future proofing the business. All, sorry, go on. Future no, of the business that. isn't just about marketing either. Um, you know, we're getting to the stage now where this technology is pretty cheap. You know, why are why why aren't agencies putting Alexa into you know what's an Alexa dot? It's thirty quid or something, isn't it, for an Alexa dot? It's not very expensive. Why why aren't agencies putting the Alexa dot into a client's house to remind them to take medication? You know, why isn't that with an API written into their care software? so that the person at the care software can actually program Alexa remotely to tell people to remind them to take their meds or to tell them where somebody sat there and they say, Alexa, when's my carer showing up? And Alexa tells them where, not just where the care is showing up, uh, when the care is due, but where they are right now and how far away they are. You know, this, this is, that's cheap. That's cheap stuff. You know, <laughs> this is technology that can change. And if you're not thinking about that and how to do it, then, you know, the software companies will do this for you. You know, they're going to write it, but you've got to be thinking about how to implement it now. You've mm -hmm. got to be thinking, you know, right, okay, if, if you're buying um, care software, ask them, ask them what their plans are for, for assisted, you know, the specialist assisted living things. But there's also, you know, what, what's the other one? The Facebook, um, Facebook have issued a yeah, tablet uh, thing, haven't they? Bar that sits on top of the screen, I forgot yeah. what it's called. Yeah, and... Um, and they've got something that um, they pushed out over lockdown, didn't they? So that people could communicate with the grandparents. And um, I forgot what it's called. Um, Facebook Rooms? Sorry? 
the Facebook Rooms feature they've done? No, it's a hard. It's a. It's okay. like Alexa. It's a. It's a. a um, an, an object. You know, it's it's a physical. A frame. It's like a picture frame kind of thing. Anyway, I've forgotten. Um, but that's what they're doing. You know, they all they're all developing these kind of this consumer software and this consumer hardware is coming in that need you can link into your. Um, in, it, you need to be thinking about it now. If you're not doing it. You need to certainly be thinking about how. So that's that's how I would do things very different. That's that's taking it away from marketing, and that I would be thinking right. How do I use tech now in my day-to-day -day care delivery? That's going to be the major difference. And there's some people who probably think, uh, listen to this now, or watching it, and thinking, when would I even get the time to do something like that? However, if you have processes and systems where your business is running itself. Yeah, it allows you time to do R and D, research and development, to invest back into the company and Absolutely. do things yeah. like this. So, I could talk to you all day, Simon. We could talk to you all day. You'll be back on the show. Um, yeah. But uh, just, do you want to tell everyone where to find you? Yeah, if you just go to, we're at Care Skilled. That's www.careskilled. S K I L L E D. Careskilled. .co.uk um, find us there just go to the website careskilled.co.uk um, we're on YouTube um, YouTube slash C slash careskilledco.uk or one word um, there's some free marketing videos up there if people want to look I've started putting together a bit of a, a little bit of an overview um, I've also noticed a lot of typos on some of the stuff I've done on there but um, you know so bear with it um, but there's a lot of free content when I'm sticking up there at the moment um, yeah that's that's how they can that's how they can get me Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming, Simon. And thank you for everyone for listening and watching. Um, if you haven't already seen, we've got a brand new website. So there's tons of resources on that. Everything's been collated into one place. It's really easy to find. So definitely check that out. And also we pre-record these, but I'm thinking on Friday, Toby, you'll be doing um, a webinar. So 1 p.m. on Friday, definitely check that out. Message us if you need the link and we'll see you all in the next. Tiba Toby. See you.